Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And this week, we're asking the question of why is no one talking about this? Mm-hmm. We're going to bring you two cases about missing or murdered Indigenous women. And as we're going we're gonna to hit you with some statistics, bring you some horrific, tragic cases, and hopefully just bring some awareness to this complete crisis that is happening right here in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. I said that yeah. really loud. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. That's yes. what we feel very passionately about. We this. do. Um, for those of you that are not Patreons, yes. We did a case about it was two sisters. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of stemmed into this is such a big issue that we wanted to bring other cases mm-hmm. to you guys. To our general audience. Mm-hmm. Also, if you want to hear that case, crime curious patreon.com. Yeah, it's it's a horrible situation, and unfortunately, it is two. They are two victims. I'll say it that way. They're two victims from of the same many. family. Yes, from the same family. Which I just cannot even imagine losing two children. They were mm-hmm. they were taken exactly almost one year apart. Yep. But what that case did was kind of open this door to a bigger picture of. Them being two victims of, like, thousands Thousands. of cases like this. Mm -hmm. And it is, I mean, once you dig into this, which we encourage you to do, I think that's kind of why we're doing this. Yes. Like, go look. Yes. I mean, there's so many murdered or missing Indigenous women in our country, and nobody's talking about it. Yes. No one is talking about it. So it's time to start talking about it. Yeah. It's so unsettling, the things you'll find. Um. There's countless women, and the the trends that we have found our are not our <laughs> the trends that we have found are that the women are either murdered and no one is ever convicted. They're unsolved. They go missing, never to be seen again, mm-hmm. never to be solved. Or they're murdered in cold blood, and nothing ever comes of it. Right. So and mysteriously found a couple of weeks later. Just out in the open. Yeah. And I've seen several where it's like, because there's a lot of violence that we have found, like crimes and violence on reservations, which yeah. I'm going to, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. But there's some that are, they're just like horrifically murdered very violently and yeah. nothing. Yep. Or they're just left out in the middle of nowhere with like no, no evidence, nothing to be found yep. and nothing ever comes of it. And I'm not joking, guys. This is like. We're talking thousands mm-hmm. of women, mm-hmm. young women. They're all beautiful, mm-hmm. gorgeous, and it happens all the time. Yep. So we're bringing you some of these cases. I think yours is a missing. Mine is missing person. Mm-hmm. Mine is missing as well. So again, if you're not a Patreon, there's some stats that I shared in the case. I'm just going to bring them into this case before I begin because they're really important. And this, these are the things that I think people should know. So since 2016... Nearly 7,000 Native American women and girls have gone missing or murdered. 7,000. 7, That's thousand. like five years, five, six years. Yes. 7,000. That is 
I, I have a hard time comprehending That's that the number. part. Now, I got that statistic. I will just tell you really quick. I got that from a documentary that I did watch. It's called Murdered and Missing in Montana. It's mm-hmm. really good. It's three other cases, not unlike the ones we're covering. Um, I actually almost brought one in to cover, but, I mean, they're unsolved cases, murders that went unsolved, or girls that were missing. And mm-hmm. so it's a really good awareness documentary. It had just come out, and I hadn't heard of it until I started digging. So it's, again, something that's not, like... Screaming in your face. Right, right. No. But check it but out. But it is out there. Yeah. So 7,000 since 2016, women and girls. That's insane. Um, another quote or another stat I wanted to give you is 40%, and I think this correlates with the other statistic, um, 40% of Native American women make up for the whole population of those that are victims of sexual or sex trafficking. Okay. That's wow. almost half. Yeah. Of the whole, and we know that that number is probably, like, massive. I don't have that number for you, but yes. it's a big number. And it's hard to find, it's hard to really nail down accurate statistics as well because some of this stuff goes unreported. Yes, and that was actually something I came across with stats for Indigenous women because a lot of things go unreported, mm-hmm. so it could be even more than what we yep, know. what we know. The other one that I'm just, oh, it just breaks my heart. Murder is the third leading leading cause of death for Native American women. I have thought about that for days since we did the Patreon episode and you hit me with that statistic. I could not imagine giving birth to a little girl and having friends give birth to little girls and knowing the third leading cause of what they may die from is murder. Is murder. I know. Isn't that horrible? What the hell, people? I think over 80% of them... Are they will experience either rape, violence, some Mm-mm. kind of abuse in their lifetime? My God! So knowing these, that's exactly what I think of with these cases. Like if I was living on a reservation, because a lot of things happen on these reservations. Yes. yes. Um, I would be so scared to have a daughter. Absolutely. And I, or living on them because yep. I don't want to take away from the fact that there's missing men and there's victims, you yeah. know, that are men too. Yes. But the women, it's just that's where the the shocking stats mm-hmm. are. Um, but there's just a lot of crime on reservations. I, I threw a little bit of that. And I think that. that in itself needs to be addressed as well. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I threw a little bit of that stuff into my case because, you know, there's some factors that that do Can go play into play. Into it. Yeah. But it does for my case as well. Yeah. So there's just a lot going on there that mm-hmm. needs to be talked about and changed. Yep. Most definitely. Okay. So now that I've gotten those stats out. I am going to be talking to you today about Ashley Loring Heavy Runner. Mm -hmm. Now, I saw her name in a couple different articles as Ashley Heavy Runner Loring. Uh And so I I saw it like equally both. I don't know if, pardon my ignorance, I don't know if it's interchangeable or if if it was just incorrect. But um, I'm going to go with the Ashley heavy runner or Ashley Loring heavy runner because I um I feel like that is more accurate after coming across something that her sister worked with doing and then that was how they put their That's the name was so printed. Like, okay. Probably that one. Yep. So I just wanted to put that out there. Now Ashley was only twenty at the time and she fully vanished from Black Blackfeet Indian Reservation in Montana. Mm-hmm. And this was on June fifth of two thousand seventeen. 
Very recently. Not long ago. And so I'm going to tell you kind of what happened, like what the events that we know leading up to that. Yep. So I want to mention that before we start, Montana has several reservations that are known for high crime, murder, and multiple cases of women either coming up missing or, like I said, being murdered and then it's just unsolved. Mm -hmm. Um, There's another one, Northern Cheyenne Reservation, and that's the reservation that is actually talked about in the documentary where a lot of stuff happens. Okay. So there's just in that area... Um, just a lot of stuff happening. Okay. Wyoming. Yes. Idaho. Like I bring up Wyoming in mine. Okay. Yeah. Like there's just in those areas, a lot of stuff going on. If you're not familiar with our international listeners that we are talking, this is primarily Western United States. Yes. So a little bit about Ashley. She was known for her big heart, her positive attitude, and she loved to help others. She actually learned about the epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous women in Canada, which is another yep. area. Another one that we yeah. could cover. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I want to help. Like, I really would like to do something. So she became passionate about that, passionate oh, wow. about that as well. She loved makeup, high heels. Um, there was a prom photo of her with like a tan or a tangerine and like fuchsia prom dress. You know, she liked to get dressed up and. Um, look really pretty, and she was beautiful. Mm-hmm. They're all so beautiful, all of them. I, I actually came across her case when I was researching mine and was thinking about how beautiful she is. She is. She's gorgeous. She loved horses, and she liked bow hunting. Oh, awesome. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. At school, she wrote term papers about mountain goat conservation, and she was proud to be a Blackfoot from you know family and friends that yeah. talked about her. She was proud of that. She was a straight-A student. And she wanted to go into environmental science when she went to college. Ashley was really super close with her sister, Kimberly Loring, heavy runner. Kimberly was a little bit older, so she had moved out when she turned 18 and moved to Missoula. Missoula? Missoula. Missoula. Mm -hmm. Um, Pardon my mispronunciations. So Kimberly. We try our best here. We do. Um, Kimberly had moved to Missoula when she turned 18. And the assumption that was was that Ashley would be coming shortly after that to live with her. Okay. So before that, the two of them lived with their grandparents who had legally adopted both girls and a few other siblings. Their mom was unable to take care of them. I'm not sure the details on that. And it sounded like dad lived nearby and he kind of helped care for the children, but not like on a full-time basis. Wasn't a primary parent. Mm Mm-hmm. So Kimberly, being a little bit older than the others, was kind of like a mother hen type, like making sure that her siblings were taken care of. And um, so there was definitely a really strong connection between them. Mm -hmm. So I want to mention that Ashley was going through a a really difficult time before she disappeared. She had just broken up with a boyfriend and she was taking it really hard. So she was super emotional. She had become depressed and... More withdrawn. Oh. So, yeah, it was an emotional struggle, and she kind of spiraled around this time. She had started hanging around uh, people that were doing drugs, selling drugs, possibly selling methamphetamine, and they were older than her, too, so just not a good crowd. She's right. only 20. Yeah. And so the, some of the reports of people she was hanging around were, like, in their 50s. 
Oh, shit. So just not a great situation. Mm -hmm. She was attending some uh, courses at a community college. It was Blackfeet Community College. And she stopped doing her classes and stopped talking to friends and just, you know, hanging out with these I'm just going to say scrubs. I'm saying it. Right, right. She I'm was saying hanging it. out with the scrubs. It came out of my mouth. <laughs> so Kimberly at that time had gone away for a couple months because she was engaged to someone that lived in Morocco. So she went to become acquainted with the family. I think I've researched this entire case. I think I have it. I had it <laughs> saved you, as a case. Yes. You, you can just like yeah, say it with I'm me. Yeah, because now I'm like... I'm like, I know this whole time. I'm like, I know, I know this. It's in my notes. Yeah, for you, sure. can, you can just like recite it with me. I know. Um, Sorry. No, that's okay. I actually have several in my back pocket too, because there's so many of yeah. them. It's like, gosh, which one do I pick? Yeah. Kimberly went away for a couple months and she was in Morocco. And then the plan was when Kimberly got back that Ashley was going to move either in with her or close by. Mm-hmm. Um. So this is kind of the time frame when Ashley's spiraling as her sister's gone and she's going through this rough time. Yeah, and she, one of her biggest supports yes, is in Morocco. Yes. Yeah. And so Kimberly and Ashley are still texting and communicating, obviously. Ashley is just really struggling. She had asked Kimberly for some money, if she could borrow some money, and Kimberly was like, I, you know, I can't send it to you from here, but I'm going to be back in a couple days, so we'll talk And so that's kind of around the time after Ashley had asked for some money when Kimberly starts, um, the contact starts tapering off. She stops hearing from Ashley. She's texting her like, hey, I'm going to be coming back. And then she's not hearing anything. A couple days go by and then she hears nothing from Ashley. And this is when she becomes really concerned because Ashley always would text back and she was always in communication with her family. Mm -hmm. So they're like, Kimberly's like, okay, something's wrong. So she does, she comes back, asks family, it's the same thing. They, no one's heard from Ashley in a couple of days. And Ashley, you know, again, not like her, she always called. And right. So the, at that point, they're like, they're, they start to panic. Yeah. They reached out to some of her friends on social media to see if anybody else had seen her. All of her friends that they talked to said that they hadn't heard anything since June 5th of 2017. Okay. Like, we saw her, we hung out with her, but that we haven't heard a thing since then. Someone had posted a video on, I think it was Facebook, of a party that they were at, and Ashley was seen in the video. She was drinking and she was chatting with friends, looked like she was having a good time. Sure. That's, like, the last piece of anything that they were able to find. It was a party that happened on the 5th, so that was, like... Oh, so it it. coincides with the time frame of when her friends last saw her. Yes. Her grandmother... Loxie Loring reported her missing to the tribal police at, you know, after they had asked the friends and did a little questioning themselves. So she went to, it's in Browning, Montana, and reported that Ashley was missing. The police told Loxie that Ashley probably didn't want to be found. Mm -hmm. And the word around the town is that she was running around with the wrong crowd. So she was probably out partying somewhere. Okay. Could we explore other options, sir? And I'm going to tell you again, 
this you will see this response over and time over again and time again i believe there's a statement in my case about how the victim is often blamed for the circumstance and so investigations are not done timely yes and that's exactly i there's three other cases popping into my head right now specifically this exact response from yeah. police I'm not here to bash police. There's great ones out there, but this is an issue. This is an issue. Ashley's grandmother was basically dismissed, and she she told the police, like, no, this is not like Ashley. If she was out partying, fine, but she would reach out, and she would she always talks to us. So they, the family knew yeah. that this, something, there was trouble. Like I said, she was disregarded. Now, a little bit about that. So I, I put in a quote from, it's Lisa Brunner, co-director of Indigenous Women's Human Rights Collective. She said, some blame belongs to the party girl stereotype in which Native American women are assumed to either be on benders or out partying. Right. And that delays the response from police right. in, in looking for them. Can I just interject for a second? Yes. When we know that a woman is missing and she's been in a bad relationship with a domestic partner, do we delay the response? I would hope not. No, we don't. Do we blame her for staying in that bad abusive relationship that resulted eventually in her death? No, we don't. So why are we doing it if somebody is, this is a part of my case, is that she was struggling with addiction Mm -hmm. at the point in time, given the reputation of being a party girl, whatever, and so it delays the response. I ask why yeah. you don't delay it in other situations. You do not, you're not victim blaming in the situation. Regardless of, of the situation. No, they're still a victim. Exactly. And so the, you know, this quote is pertaining to that very thing that police are just thinking, yeah, they're out, you know, binging, they're mm-hmm. out partying. We're, we're not worried about it. Mm-hmm. And so what happens after that is the family pulls together and they do their own search yep. again. Time, time and time, time again. That's what has to happen. And the poor family, my heart breaks for these families because they are so, like, I mean, they all grieve for these losses. Yes. And just like, I mean. And they don't have that. the they don't have the resources. So it's like they're a day late and a dollar short. Yes. Because it's not like they have a, a, the ability to get on the horn and put an, you know, APB out or something mm-hmm. like that. They have to do, they have to hit the pavement and do the hard work putting up flyers or billboards. And they do. Trying to get media interviews. And so, and these, I mean, I feel like many <laughs> Native American families Sorry, are super me. close. Bless you. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Um, they're super close from what yeah, uh, you know, yes, I've read. Definitely. So the families do come together yeah. and they, they do these massive searches. And this is what Ashley's family did as well. Kimberly did go to law enforcement like after grandma had tried and they did do a three-day search. Oh, um, wow. Three whole days. So, and that's more than I've seen in other cases. It, it For sure. But how many did Gabby Petito get? I know. I know. And this is their this is their problem, and I see it. And that's something that I had mentioned in the other case as well, that this Gabby Petito case, in, I guess, a twisted way, because she got so much coverage, mm-hmm. There was a little sliver of awareness brought to the lack of yes. um, yep. media coverage on Indigenous women yep. cases. Yep. So they said in a way that it was almost kind of good because there has been an increase in curiosity. Yes. So good. Yep. I mean, it's a horrible, I'm not minimizing Gabby's death. No, of course not. And it should have. But. 
we have she, all of these right. things too. And she, she should have got that coverage. Absolutely. Absolutely. As anybody should. Agreed. They do a three-day search, law enforcement, you know, around the area. But after there were no discoveries made in those three days, the that's it. Mm-hmm. So because there's no police action going on, Kimberly starts organizing her own searches with family and friends that are willing to. The problem is the reservation spans 1.5 million acres. Right. It's huge. Vast, vast lands. It's also Glacier National Park. So to me, that sounds very treacherous. Right, right. So there's so much land to cover and Kimberly had no idea where to start. Of course. Looking. I mean, you you hear of law enforcement doing these like grid searches, very organized mm-hmm. and, you know, very focused. And Kimberly's not an expert, but so where do you even start? I right. would feel so lost. Yep. I would too. feel so lost. So Ashley's family and friends, they do the best they can with, you know, scouring the area. They did cover a lot of territory. Um, and they just, you know, they did the best they could. About two weeks after Ashley disappeared, there was a tip that came in and someone had reported seeing a young woman running from a vehicle on the U.S. Highway 89, which goes in the reservation. It runs through it, Mm -hmm. my understanding. This is an area that's known to be very desolate and swampy and very thick forest. So Mm. I hate to say this, but it would be easy for someone Mm -hmm. to disappear. And I think that's part of the problem. And again, this is not the only case that witnesses have seen a young woman like running away from a vehicle. Right. That's come up in other cases as well. Yep. So a search was conducted in that area by volunteers. I didn't see that law enforcement helped in this, so I'm assuming it was like family friends again. Mm-hmm. There was a gray sweater that was found and it was thought to be Ashley's. It was in that vicinity of where the um the running you know, she was running like in that the w- vicinity. Okay, the tip that came in. Okay. Yes. So the the sweater was covered in what was thought to be blood. It looked like it was like blood stained. It was ripped. How heartbreaking. And there was a pair of red stained boots as well. Oh. So these things were sent into the Bureau of Indian Affairs for Mm -hmm. testing. And Kimberly would later find out that the sweater and the boots sat there for like months and months with no follow through. Oh my gosh. Isn't that so sad? In the lab? Yes. Oh, my God. Or wherever, like, this bureau, like, wherever they sent it, that it, they were never sent into the lab or wherever they were supposed to go. They just sat there. And wow. I never have seen anything indicating that they ever got answers from those things. Wow. And that part to me in this case was significant. Like, she, I mean, somebody was <laughs> spotted running in the area. You find a sweater and, and boots. We won't, we won't even process the evidence. Like, come on, people. Well, and there's... Obviously soiled garments. So if it doesn't belong to Ashley, it belongs, it belongs to, someone. to someone. Exactly. Like you don't just find all these things. hundreds of open cases that you have. Perhaps yes. it could match one of those. Like you don't just wow. find those things and you're like, eh, no big deal. I'm disgusted. I know. And, and I, know, I know some of that stuff gets backlogged and it takes a little while, but to find out that it didn't even nothing get processed. So the other piece of this, another piece of this is the items were found not too far from the home of a man named Sam Sam McDonald. Okay. So as I had mentioned, Ashley was going through this rough time, and she was hanging around people that weren't 
known to be the best. Unsavory is a good way to put it. And Sam McDonald was one of these people. It's hard to say. It Sam is. I keep, I'm like Sam, Mc, Sam McDonald. It's very nasally. <laughs> it is. Sam McDonald. He was, I think, about 52 at the time, and he was known as someone that was unsavory, as we said. Yeah, so he's 32 years older than her, has no business hanging around her. Thank you. That's what I was thinking as well, as a mom figure. I'm like, what in the world Mm -hmm. is going on here? So he was questioned. Uh, Law enforcement did come in and and question because those, you know, they had sent the items in and let police know. Like, they're, my understanding from what I pieced together is they were doing all of the work in this. Like, hey, we found these things. Hey, this person, like, I, she, he knew my sister. Like, they're doing the, the footwork here. Right. But they did question Sam and he did admit he had seen Ashley. She had partied at his house for a couple days. And the last time he had seen her was around June 11th. Okay. So he said that after a couple of days of partying, she had asked him to drive her to what was called the pull-off in the reservation. I don't know if it's like a pickup area, rest mm-hmm. stop. I'm, I'm not sure. She asked Sam to drive her there because she was supposed to meet a man named V-Dog. To pick her up. Sounds like an upstanding character. (laughs) Nothing suspicious. No, not at at all. all. So he agreed to do this. He took her there. He apparently fell asleep while waiting for... Are you seeing red flags? Because I am. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm also seeing a lot of similarities between my case and yours. It's so chilling. The more you talk about these cases, there's there's so many similarities. And I think that's what we want to, like... Highlight? Yes. Yes. So he fell asleep. Ashley was waiting for V-Dog. Mm-hmm. He didn't wake up. And so by the time he did wake up, Ashley was gone. And he and he just assumed that V-Dog had showed up. He didn't see a thing, huh? Nope. Yeah, nothing yeah. at all. My husband took me to a drop-off where I was waiting for T-Bone <laughs> one time, too. Give me a break. Thank you. Like, So he's like, that's the last time I saw her. I assumed that V-Dog picked her up and that she was gone. Good to go. Nothing. That's... That, that's what he reported. Whatever. Convenient that he fell asleep. So yeah. convenient. Like, I envy you, sir, if you can fall asleep that quickly. Uh, for sure. Like, whatever. Just, like, in sorry, the driver's Are you side. God's favorite? You didn't just fall asleep that fast. <laughs> like, fuck off for a thousand years. My, I just can't even. Yeah, my anxiety would never allow me to do that. No. Ever. Um. So, he was questioned. No arrest made. No, nothing further. Sure. So, they got his story. They did search his home, but nothing was found. Mm-hmm. So, Except for the boots and sweater nearby his home. Right. There was that. Right. Just nothing found in his home. So we have a dead KK. end. Yeah. So they're dead end there. So it does it does indicate that some of the items were sent in for testing, but then no, no uh, results were ever released. There were a few things I came across where they tried to send it into police, but I never see a thing about anything Um being released do you think i mean i'm just picturing the family giving this stuff over to police and trusting that they're going to send it to where it's supposed to or sending it to the police some intern processing it and is supposed to put it where there's where it needs to go and it's just not like there's so many i know there's so many ways that the chain of evidence can fall short here when you don't have the police actually running the investigation not to say it can't fall through when they do as well because that does happen but it's even worse when a family is running the investigation and then the family is sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing 
Because it's not being processed. About nine months go by after Ashley went missing. My understanding is the FBI did pick this case up for investigation, and they did try to work with some leads. Good. And so the V-Dog was questioned. Okay. V-Dog is a real person. Sure. His, his real- name is probably, oh, you're going to tell me his name. <laughs> yes. It's what probably- were you going to say? It was? I don't know. I was going to say it's probably <laughs> something really like boring, like Vincent. You're not far off. His V-Dog's real name was Paul Val- Valenzuela. Okay. Hence the V. I, I have a friend named Vincent. I'm not bashing the name i'm just saying it's like it's not as compelling as v dog well now you, you know can call him v dog i think i might now actually that's way cooler right right especially for a man who was 52 as well oh sure of course of course so v dog was married at the time but his relationship with his wife was a little rocky mm-hmm. so it was reported from ashley's family that she was actually seeing V-Dog around the time. So they were, okay. like, dating or had a thing. Okay. Again, mother mode's kicking in. I'm like, why are you? <laughs> yep. yep. I mean, I'm not jo- judging. I know people have, like, relationships in different ages and whatnot. Yeah, but Ashley was struggling. Right. So she's not a She's vulnerable. Place. She is vulnerable. So V-Dog is questioned. The home is searched. Uh, Tashina Running Crane, who was V-Dog's wife mm-hmm. at the time, she stands by that she had no idea about Ashley. Nobody, you know, she, the, they did end up separating and divorcing, but she's, you know, adamant that she knew nothing about Ashley at the time. Okay. Don't know because right. nothing else ever came of that either. So they're so. just questioning these people, taking their word and not looking into anything else Cor- further. Correct. You know, to like debunk what they're saying. Correct. Okay, because that's usually what you do when you interview somebody, you get their side of the story, and then you You keep looking. Yep, exactly. You confirm everything that they've told you as being accurate. Now, the only other part of this is that I only have, like, so many things out there to go by. If they were on top of it behind the scenes, we don't know that. Because it's not reported on. Because it's not reported on. Mm -hmm. Um, This was honestly one of the cases that I could find the most information to bring you. I was shocked at all the information that you had about her personal life. I have got very little on my case. It is so Mm -hmm. grossly underreported of who she was as a person. And that's that's what you will see so much. Mm -hmm. And so I really sifted through, but I've been obsessed with this topic since I did my other case. So I sifted through because I wanted to find something. But that's the problem is there's thousands of these cases and not much to report. You know, even for something as simple as this dude saying, yeah, I dropped her off at the the pull off and I fell asleep while she was waiting. Okay, so go and ask some of that dude's friends. Does he fall asleep pretty Mm -hmm. easily? Does he have trouble sleeping at night? Ask his wife. Does he have trouble sleeping at night? Like even small things like that, like you take every bit of an interview and you go to find things that confirm it. And if you find indiscrepancies, then you go back to square one and go back to that person and say, you know, you fell, you said you fell asleep, but what I'm hearing from, you know, so-and-so like whatever, you know, it's just, it's just bothers me. Yes. We can't even do simple. These are phone calls you could make to ask people if you don't want to meet them face to face, like. Yeah. And, and so one of the things that I did find, uh, one of the articles that I, I read kind of goes into this being one of the flaws in, I would say, two systems. Because so if a woman or, a, you know, a Native American person 
comes up missing on a reservation, um, there's kind of this, like, who's responsible type dynamic. Because if anybody's involved in the crime outside of the reservation, there's only so much the tribe can do. Yeah. Or the tribal law enforcement. Yeah. So from what I read, it kind of becomes a pissing match sometimes yes. of like, you're supposed to do this or, well, we don't know that they were on tribal land or outside of the reservation yep. and, and then nothing gets done. And this done. shit needs to stop. I'm it sorry, does. but the two entities need to learn how to play nice with each other and we need to stop. There needs to be more organization in the system. The other part of this is that, so if something does happen on tribal land, Oftentimes it goes unreported because, number one, there's only like limited sentencing that they can do on tribal land. I found a couple different numbers, one being like maximum sentence up to a year. And this was in a 2018 article. And then I did see some information about like up to three years, Yeah, but still very limited. Yeah, So a lot of times they're like, "Eh, you know, what are we going to do? Right. Or I'm afraid of testifying against this person because then they're going to be out in three years. And what if I'm next? Yes. Yeah. And I think that's exactly why this is happening. I do feel like that has something absolutely to do with it. And also the the other thing that I feel happens a lot is because they know that they have no resources and they know they're not going to probably be able to fully investigate. And so they just let it go. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's what, I think that's what happens but a I, lot too. This both systems need to be like the system needs to be cleaned up. Like, what's the process? Uh-huh. Because we're both sitting here, like, well, you, we don't know if she was on the land when she came up missing. We don't know if she was like outside of reservation. Right. You need, do it. No, you do it. Like, then that we needs need to be a protocol up. for that. Yes. Okay. We cannot prove that she was on tribal land. Wonderful. That means we can work together. Okay. We have proven that she was on tribal land, but we don't have the resources. Can you please come in and help us? Absolutely. Let's do this. Yes. There's got to be a better system that is very clear and, and cut and understanding of people's jurisdiction. Now, as you said that, a light bulb did just come into my uh, brain. And I do recall on the documentary that I watched, Murdered and Missing in Montana, I believe that there has been something put into place since the um, first case that's discussed in that area that like once a person goes missing, there is a team that comes in to look at that. But I don't know if that's like everywhere. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yep. I don't know if it was like Blackfeet Reservation. Um, right. Implemented that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if that's everywhere or just for like Northern Cheyenne because it's yeah, yeah. such an issue. Right. You right. know, okay. if it, I mean, good for them for yeah. doing that, but if it's but it not should a, be everywhere. <laughs> yes. Across the board. Cause this was just 2017. Right. So hopefully, you know, those things are coming, but they need to be like essential. And I have at the end of my case, an update that just happened last Tuesday, as a oh. matter of fact, in legislation. Cool. Wonderful. Um, and then another thing I just wanted to say is that a problem with like if the FBI or outside agencies throw it back to the tribal, the problem with that is that tribal law enforcement does not have the resources. No. So if it's put back in their court, I mean, from my understanding is that they just don't have like a solid criminal justice system. Yep. They just don't. Right. And so when some of these cases get thrown back into like, okay, Their the hands. tribe's going to look into it. I think they okay. go unsolved. Right. And that maybe needs to be further looked into as well. Yes. Of what are you doing 
as a tribe to protect your own people also. And so as we talked about, like the the um, reservation, the one we're talking about, it's 1.5 million acres. Mm-hmm. They don't have the um, staffing, like the law enforcement staffing to monitor of the area not. all the time. Of course not. So there's not 24-hour coverage, like yeah. police coverage. So I'm sure a lot of things happen yeah. that never get reported and people that have unsavory intentions are going to know that and going to know when to carry out their acts yes so i think that like all of these things combined are going into why this is happening so much and like you said when you know that there's a vulnerable population and you're a shitty human Mm -hmm. like predators know where they need to pray they're savvy they are they know what they're doing unfortunately so I think there's just th- like all of these things go into play with with the the crisis. I agree. I think everyone needs to be held accountable. <laughs> and I just I threw this in here too. Sorry, I'm th- throwing so many things, but it's just like it's gets right. me fired up. So up until 2015, you know how we have these amazing Amber Alerts, which yeah. is like the best thing ever to yep. happen in the universe. They did not have Amber Alerts for reservations like at all and 30 percent of missing children are native american so it's like why oh, did you have amber alerts but yeah. the, like on the tribal land they did not have these one of the cases this was actually the first case i was going to do and then it led me like into all of the other things that i found um 11 year old ashlyn mike was abducted and and murdered this was 2016 she was abducted and murdered in the um, Navajo Nation Reservation. Mm-hmm. And there was no alert issued for eight hours after she was reported missing. Wow. Nothing, like no action. And like like I said, Amber Alerts were like a thing. Yeah. And there was nothing until then. So one good thing that did come out of that is that there was like some funding put toward like, okay, we need to, to have these established and go out immediately and so I believe that there was an act that was, like, put into place to help that. Okay. But, I mean, but these again, are all... something bad has to happen before yes. we can put some common sense into practice. And it was, like, a, it was a horrible case, too. Yeah. It's so sad. But I just wanted to throw that in to give you an idea of, like, how little help there yeah. has been yep. on a large scale. Mm-hmm. So back to, to Ashley. Kimberly continued to search for her with small groups and family until the fall of 2017. So I do want to mention that Kimberly did consult a psychic on this case. Oh, okay. Um, just to find, and I don't, I mean, we've seen a lot of that. Yeah. You know, psychics come through on cases. So right. she did kind of, you know, ask for help in locating her sister. And they do come up on a scene that looks exactly like what the psychic would had described to Kimberly as where her sister, like the whereabouts of her sister. Okay. So they arrive at this, it's this area where there's two trailers that are really like run down. One's collapsed in. Um, there's like broken appliances all over. So it's like a sketchy looking location. I can picture it all too well. There's many pictures of those like similar scenarios. So the other thing that they find is a car. It's like a white car that's by the trailers and there's like multiple bullet holes all over the car. And I saw a picture of the car. It's like shot to hell. Riddled with bullet car So many bullet holes. So it's like a really, really sketchy scene. And the psychic indicated that this is like, you know, obviously described something similar to Kimberly. 
So they're looking around and they they did come across a blue tank top that was obviously it belonged to a woman. So they did bag that to again submit for evidence. Yeah. And like I said, all of the things that they submitted, I never I never see anything we about don't know the results. results. Okay. So we don't know anything there. Um, they looked around. Is this investigation still open? To my knowledge, it is. Okay. Maybe that's why we don't know because they're keeping things hoping, close to their chest. I hope yes. so. Let's hope, I hope that that's, that's what why. that means. <laughs> yeah. So they, they obviously scour the area. There's nobody there, but it's just a really like, very, mm-hmm. obviously something really bad happened Yeah. in that yeah. area. Unless they were just using that vehicle as target practice. Like if it Maybe. was just a dead vehicle. You know, Maybe. then they're just like, oh, hey, I'll just shoot this up for target practice. And I don't know if the police went back to look at that. I don't think they did because this is the last search that they're able to do. Now, one of the concerns that starts to come into play with the area is weather. Yeah, absolutely. we're talking Montana, like snow, blizzards, yes. all of the things. And so they start to get nervous that they're not going to, to get anywhere because like weather's it's about to in. be destroyed by mother nature. Yes. So they do continue, like they search as best they can. And one of the things that I had read is that they, just to paint another picture for you, they talked, they were communicating with walkie talkies as they're like searching and they had to talk in code because they were afraid if someone was listening and they picked up on that they were searching for like a, a victim that they could be harmed. So they oh talked. My God. Yeah. Like this gives you an idea of like, there's some bad people yeah. doing yep. bad things yep. and they knew it. So they talked and like acting like they were hunting. Okay. And so like hunting code to, okay. to communicate with each other. That way, if anybody was monitoring, they wouldn't know what was going on. Wow. That's so scary that to is me. So sad to me. It is. So unfortunately, after that, like the fall searching, there, there was a blizzard that came through and it like, you know, wiped out power. It was really bad. And, and all the land that they had covered um, searching was now. Covered in snow. snow. Oh. Yeah. So that put a halt to things. In that season, they couldn't do anything. And months go by. I mean, they can't do. Right. No, they're at a standstill. Can't do anything. One of the things that I read about this case that was really sad to me, after Ashley disappeared, her grandma had been saving money because she didn't know if they were going to find Ashley somewhere else and she would have to buy a plane ticket, like, to fly out and... Oh my god! Like retrieve her body, or right? So she she's thinking ten steps ahead. She is, wow. and I, you know, as we have mentioned, there's a lot of like poverty and low income, yeah. and so I don't want to assume, but I don't know if she like how much money she had to yeah, save. I would imagine that would be difficult. I did read that the average income for this re- reservation, like in the area, is seventeen thousand dollars. Wow, yearly. And that is like wow, that's nothing. That is would be so hard to live off of. Wow, I know people do it. I know that yeah, they do, but, but it's not easy. That's like average. Yep. So, wow, that just broke my heart to read that Grandma started putting money away, and then at some point, because time passes, Grandma switches her. I'm saving money because there might now we're looking at like a funeral. Yeah, you know, right, right, just. It's so sad. A year passes, nothing. Like I said, they searched, and they did, I think, like 200% mm-hmm. what they could. Yep. And on Ashley's 21st birthday in November of 2017, her family had a party with candles, 
cupcakes. They they did a poster with like messages for her to come home and I see this a lot too with cases yeah. like they're so, they still celebrate. Yep. Unfortunately, her 22nd birthday rolls around and this time they just they sing her happy birthday. So 2 years pass. Wow. Nothing. Like we said, um let's hope in good faith that the reason we don't know anything else is because it's still being actively investigated. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're still accepting tips. It did sound like early 2018 the FBI agreed to investigate investigate Ashley's case at the BIA's request, but her family fears that at this point with like weather coming in right. and no leads that long that it's too late and the evidence is probably gone. Right. So Kimberly, um, before I jump into this, I hate to tell you this, but that is literally all I have. I thought you were going to say that. That is. Yep, um, that's where we're at. The family still continues to search. Kimberly has become, you know, quite vocal and an advocate. We really don't even have like a last place she was really seen. No. Because the dude who she was last with says he fell asleep. Yes. Conveniently. So there's a couple of like sketchy leads out there that never went anywhere. There was the video of her at the party. That's what goes on in my case too. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard in these cases, like she went out with friends and she never came back. Yep. She went out to the store and she never returned. There was this random guy friend and then this guy friend and that guy friend and then never heard from again yep and it's i mean over and over again Mm -hmm. and not to take away from ashley's case but she's one of literally thousands Thousands. Mm -hmm. that this has happened to yep so it really breaks my heart that that's all i have for you but there's there was never any leads this family did everything that they could to try to find her yeah and a lot of times i think this is this is a good thing a sister a mother someone becomes a voice yes through these these cases and this is this happened in Ashley's case too and got it at least enough in the media that we could cover it on a podcast yes because those that we don't have thousands of names we don't that and we could cover you know what I, I read is that the the way that these uh, cases are being brought to light mostly is like people like us that oh, are okay. bringing the awareness like boots on the ground Uh, doing the work because like they're not getting that like blasted coverage but when people start talking about it like that's in social media they're using social media and just people bringing awareness so that's like yeah super important it is so Kimberly she did testify at a U.S. Senate committee it was on Indian Affairs it's for MMIWG Mm -hmm. so that's Missing Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls So this was in December of 2018, and at that committee meeting, she stated, I believe that if the law enforcement had searched for my sister when she first went missing, if they had taken her seriously, we would still have my sister. Now, chillingly enough, the very next day after that took place, 14-year-old Henny Scott, which was another case I was debating on bringing Mm -hmm. to you, went missing. And that was at the Northern Cheyenne Reservation. And so just mentioning that very quickly, this was another case where family concerns were minimized. It was like the very next day. Wow. Family reported her missing. Nothing was done. Family had to go into action. Yeah. 
Unfortunately, she was one that was actually her body was found. Okay. But nothing has ever been solved as to what so, happened. And no one's been been convicted. I believe that, and I didn't note, it, note this, but she's one of the cases in the documentary that I talked about. Yeah. I believe her cause of death was hypothermia, which you will see in a lot of these cases. Yes, yes, you will. If mm-hmm. a body is found, it's either... In the elements. Yes. It's either like cause of death, hypothermia, or um, unknown. Uh-huh. And so she was but one of the two. they got out there somewhere yep. and weren't known prior to just wander off. And these are people who know their environment and their surroundings and the dangers of it. They're not just going out into the vast wilderness of the reservations. Right, right. Because I know that someone could play devil's advocate and be like, well, yeah, statistically speaking, you know, they could die of hypothermia because of where they live. Okay, but they also have generations of living on of that living land there. Yes. and knowing not to do those exactly. things. Exactly. And so the hypothermia thing, just a really quick, you know, recap of the case that I had covered for our Patreons is one of the sisters' cause of death was uh-huh. hypothermia. Right. Found mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Yep. And no, no explanation, explanation of how she got there. Had so, never been there before. Yeah. I'm telling you guys, it's just so, there's so many trends here with these cases. Yep. And like start connecting the dots. The world needs to know uh-huh. about this. And I'm not saying that it's all like any one entity's fault. I think that it is both the general population, it's a reservation population. We all need to come together and bring issue to this and stop making this population so vulnerable to these statistics. Yeah, 7,000 women. No. In not okay. five years. Yep. That's not okay. And I don't know why this isn't like blasted everywhere. Right. So unfortunately, that's what I have for you. The one good thing that came out of this is Kimberly is using her voice. Um, you know, the, the case that I presented to Patreons that, you know, families using their voice, like yep. people are speaking out. There were some remains found in 2018 on the Indian reservation, but, and they did think that they the remains could have been Ashley's originally, but then they discovered it was uh, um, male. Mm-hmm. So again, though, like yep, this, there. but a body was found. Do you yes. know? Weren't there like five bodies found when they were searching for Gabby in Wyoming? I think so. Yeah. Isn't that creepy? Yes, it's not okay. Like people's lives d- deserve to be found, and and their families deserve closure and. We also need to stop fucking murdering each other. For the love of God. <laughs> like getting old. But yeah, so that's my that's my case. Um okay. I, thank you. Please <laughs> you are welcome. Right. Um check out some of the just articles searching, you For know. Sure. Do a basic Google search and you're going to fall down a yes. rabbit hole. If you look at, like, it's MMIWUSA. It's a Facebook page. Yeah. It is literally dedicated to putting missing uh, people out, missing women. Mm-hmm. And I'm not joking. Um, y- like, new people every day. I followed the page. It's insane. It's like new, every day there's a new face put up. Wow. Of an unsolved case, a missing woman. All young, gorgeous, beautiful women. Yep. Just be aware, uh, check it out, do some know. digging. You can't tell me that's not connected to human trafficking. I know. I believe wholeheartedly that it is. Absolutely. Uh, it's the most it's the most vulnerable population. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hit us with a brain bath. I am. I have a good one. Okay, because we need it after that. So I, I have a really, um, just a good story for you. Okay. Involving the elderly. Oh, I love it. 
And the title of this article, of this little story, it says, A senior living complex devolved into a petty turf war. So let me give you the deets on this. Okay. (laughs) So the Carlisle Condominium Complex. Already sounds amazing. It does. It sounds really nice, Mm -hmm. like, for the fancy folks. Right. So trouble started when one elderly resident moved in with his 42-year-old wife. Oh, get it, Gramps. Gramps is getting it. Wow. It says, maybe that's not cradle robbing, but it's certainly the garden section at Home Depot (laughs) robbing. (laughs) Um, So the problem is the condos have a very strict policy of 55 and over. Are we calling, by the way, 55 and older elderly? Because that hurts my my heart. You know, like, that's not okay. <laughs> that's not all that far away. My husband's going to be 50 next year. Like, you might be having your eyes set on a condo soon. He'll he'll never get into Carlisle condominiums. His <laughs> wife is 38. <laughs> oh, my God. You're immediately like, I am you're out. the story. <laughs> you, you could be. Oh, shit. So when he moves in with his young, you know, Spunky. So wife. what is he like? Fifty six. I don't see a problem here. She's forty. Does it say his age? It's a, that is a good question because it does not mention his age. It just says he's elderly. So oh he could God. be like fifty five. Fifty five and a half. <laughs> but because Carlisle condominium sounds pretty fancy, like people they have strict rules. They are losing their shit. They do not want hot toddy Barbie coming and through and tempting all those other old men. I th- that is ex- that is exactly right because they are like they are not having this. They're I like, see this it. is a violation. She is too young. Uh, I I operate within laws and policies, so I love that I'm like <laughs> I get it. Yes, get her like, out we don't of want here. Her in no. our neighborhood. When you come back, when you're 55, sweetheart, <laughs> you little 42, you, you harlots, right? Um. So it says according to the disgruntled residents, instead of just talking things out like experienced adults. The couple launched... Because when you're 55 and older, you're an experienced adult. Yes. yes. So the couple, so this is the man and his younger wife, they launched a four-year campaign of petty terror. (laughs) Highlights include removing all the doorknobs from the exercise room, throwing eggs and oil at windshields of cars... Savage. Even exposing a salacious affair between two grandparents gone wild by writing smutty details about their, it says, loose skin dry humping in the article (laughs) on the front of their door. So they like exposed an elderly affair. Oh my gosh. Frank and Esther are slapping wrinkles behind this door. Yes what they did oh my god so they're like just being vicious but it says the other retirees gave it just as good as what they got the couple plain the couple claimed that in retaliation residents spray painted the woman's car <gasps> hid under a blanket in the back seat trying to take compromising pictures i that oh, oh, i love that oh, one <laughs> Hid under a blanket. You're not going to see a 150-pound man Elderly or person. woman. You're not going to smell them for that breathing, matter. Breathing heavily like under the right. blanket. You get in. It smells like my grandma's perfume in here. Is yes. that rosemary and mothballs? <laughs> What's happening? 
And so the other thing that they did was shooting flare guns at her while driving. So they gave it back. Holy shit. This community, I just envision it just like chaos. like roll down my windows and be like, I'm as hot as those flares you're trying to hit me with. And this, this is too far here, senior citizens. Oh, no. So they also claim that they received a, a note on Christmas Day referring them to a website explaining how to commit suicide. <gasps> no. All because his wife was too young for the, the condominiums. All because they were jealous of her hot body. And at 42. Yes, these elderly people like also, really went to war. Also, why is there a website that has that that you can even print it off? Can we get that off the interwebs? Please. Gross. Like, that is just, that's too far, people. Holy shit. It says, in the end, the awesome fuse, or fuse, the awesome feud devolved into boring old litigation with an exasperated civil court judge accusing the elders of being like emotional children who have not yet learned the basic tenets of act, acting civil toward each other. Thank you. Yeah, the judge called it. Yeah. So He's probably then, like, I can't even believe this shit's on my docket today. Yep. So it ends with, hey, you're only as old as you feel. You might look 80, but inside you can still be the worst kind of teenager. And that is exactly what they and the, did. And the thing is, is that I want to know his age because, get, like, seriously, this her husband could be 55, 56, Which is, 57. like, not that bad. It's not a bad. big deal. She's 42. Who cares? And it's like, like it's not affecting them at all, but they were not having this in their community. Like the rules are the rules, and she's too hot to trot. Yeah, walking her dog, shaking her butt. She must have been like a, a you know nice she was a good. Dish. She was a good look, absolutely. Anna Nicoling it up, probably she was. <laughs> yeah, she's getting herself some Botox, yes. some fillers, exercising daily. And the other ones are like, Mm-mm, no, she's not going to walk around this neighborhood, right? While they're in their golf carts and, and their yeah. their sun visors. Jogging suits. For sure. And you know that they're like, they're overweight and just like honking obnoxiously behind her as she's trying to just walk her dog in her tight leggings. She's got a flare gun. She has a perky pair. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they're just honking at her. Susan! Susan! Get out of our way. There's no dog walking between the hours of 9 and 11 a.m., Susan. Oh, you know it. I love that the couple is the one that started retaliating first. They're like, okay, right. you're going to raise a stink. We're taking the door handles off the gym. Off the gym. <laughs> Which did <laughs> no they No cardio. Use? Did they use the gym? And the- no more sweaty yoga. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's like my favorite story I've read in a long time. I feel like that's something that you would see in a movie. It, yes, I do, too. Just be in, like, a comedy. Like, you could make a whole movie about it. I just picture them all being, like, rich and bored or something. Like... The- It's named the Carlisle Condominiums. They're absolutely rich and bored. (laughs) This is what they did for entertainment. Four four years of it. Like, no calling truce. Like, we're talking four years of terror. She's almost old enough by the time they're done to qualify for the damn place anyway. Now that you mention it, yes, she's like so close to being the age. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Uh, Well, thank you for that. I loved that story. You're well, that's almost a true crime story, actually. It really, I is. mean, really, the suicide part, like, oh, too far. And the flare guns, those could hurt someone. 
seriously. That's, that's bad. And spray painting her car, that's thousands of dollars worth of damage. Or hiding in the backseat. Like, they could have caused a fatal accident. Also, that's breaking and entering. And so like, and I, I would just be funny if one of them, if they, like, sneezed and farted at the same time into their Depends. Oh, my God. Like, then you realize, like, Dolores, is that you? They're like, what is that smell? <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, God. Well, we hope you keep listening. Yes. We really do. Follow us on social media. We are crime.curious on Instagram, Crime Curious Podcast on Facebook. We have a Twitter handle. We're at Crime Curious or Crime Curious Pod. Something. We're something on the Twitter. Something. You can find us there. Message us uh, case suggestions or funny brain baths. And uh, until next week, everyone, bye-bye. Bye.